This is Fam Life with Phil Gomez, episode one on the Rising Man podcast. Today, we got my boy Roots on the show. What's good, y'all? Phil Gomez here behind the mic. and Welcome to Fam Life. You might be wondering what's going on here. Well, again, my name is Phil Gomez. I'm one of the founding fathers of the Rising Man movement, and I must say, it is just so amazing to be part of this team. A few weeks back, I was speaking with Jetty and really wanted to diversify the voices that we were bringing onto this platform, as well as just add a little bit of a different vibe to the podcast. So Fam Life is all about relationships, lifestyle, and amplifying the voices of people of color. Today, we got my bro Roots on the show. Roots is an amazing man that I met not too long ago. And when I first spoke with him, it was just like electricity. He's just such an incredible, diverse man. He's an artist, MC, songwriter, and mentor facilitator. He's a father. He's been in a long-term relationship and he's really into plant medicine. So we talk about all these things on the show today, as well as men of color being in these spaces. It is just such an incredible conversation. So stick around, listen to the whole thing. Without further ado, here's Roots. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first episode of this chapter of the podcast, this channel. Uh, My name is Phil Gomez and I am blessed to be in the presence of my brother Roots, uh, connected with this brother a couple months ago, and it was truly love at first sight to meet uh, such an integral man with uh, so many just in-sync paths. You know, we have in-sync paths, so really love everything you're about. Really excited that you're here today. Roots, say what's up to the guests. Uh, Peace and love, everyone. Grateful, super grateful to be here. Um, like Phil said, it, it is like one of these sickening love at first sight things, right? And you don't hear about it too much with two men, but there's definitely, um, as maybe you would call it a bromance, some people, but I am just in love with this brother right here. Um, he, he represents so many beautiful things that I've been waiting to see. And it's like a reflection um, a younger reflection of myself, you know, when I see this young brother that's a father and doing these men, um, doing the men's work and doing all of these awesome things to make himself such a better man. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be here, grateful to know you, brother. And yeah, I'm, I'm all the way in. <laughs> Appreciate those kind words, man. Um, so how I like to start <clears throat> is asking the guest, you in this case, um, what is something that you like to do to ground or present yourself before stepping into something big, whether that's a conversation or stepping into work or kicking off a podcast? Um, one thing that has been really instrumental for me lately has been tapping into my breath. Um, and it seems really simple. It seems really small, but five deep breaths, man, five deep breaths, it's pretty powerful. And, you know, when you find yourself feeling a little shaky, a little edgy, even if it's just three, you know, but, you know, five breaths takes about a minute. So if you can just stop for a minute and just breathe in, hold it, let that out and just do that, that rotation of five breaths, it really gives you an opportunity to ground in, calm down, get present where you're at, what you're here to do, and then, okay, let me go in. Because we might not always have time to, like, 
meditate, you know, or, you know, really do something that, that takes and requires some time. But those five breaths, those have been working like a charm for me. And I've been passing this on to anyone that'll listen. I love that, man. I love the, I love the simplicity to it. You know, there's definitely no doubt the importance of grounding and centering ourselves before we step into anything. Um, and I know I'm guilty of it. I, I make it like it has to be this huge thing. Like I have to do some extravagant ritual and light the candles and bust out the sage and get the cushions out and this whole thing. Um, but I love the simplicity and practical practicality of those five deep breaths. Uh, second thing I want to ask you, because I really feel like these two things are a way you get to really know a man. One, how they presence and ground themselves. And the second are, what are your core values? You know, I look at core values as our moral compass. They are the things that we can tap into to really help guide us through any sort of situation. And um, it's almost like our code. You know, you see it in all the literature and movies like the the samurai's code or uh, warrior's code. It's the thing that we live and die by. And that's really what makes us who, who we are. So for you, what would you say your, uh, your core values are? That's uh, a big one, right? <clears throat> um, I think a big core value for me right now um, is honesty. Um, and being honest with myself first, um, but being as honest as possible in, in every situation. Um, I hate being lied to. And, you know, and so I know if I hate being lied to, everyone else hates being lied to. Mm -hmm. So a core value of mine is to avoid that, you know, um, and, to, and to keep myself honest in situations, honest in my dealings, you know, honest in how I'm interacting you know, with my people. And, um, and that leads into another core value of living in integrity, right? And being integral with your word, right? So, um, you know, I grew up not having money like that, right? And I grew up, you know, um, a lot of my, a lot of my, um, my good brethren, they became five percenters, right? And so um, a word that we used to, uh, saying was, um, a, a, lot of, a lot of us said was word is bomb, right? Like mm, the word is your yes. bomb. Right. So being integral on your word is a serious core value for me. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. You know, if I tell you I'm going to show up, I'm going to show up, you know. Um, so because I, I hate getting left looking like, where's he at? Where's she at? Like no one likes that feeling. So uh, another core value of mine is definitely living in integrity and being integral with your word. Um, and if I could make it three, I would say. Um, another core value of mine is spreading love. Um, I think it's so important. I think it's such a, a missing piece uh, to how many of us are living each day. And having the opportunity to, to, to spread love and to share love with people like, you know, like genuinely, you know, like, you know, when I see my brothers, I give them the biggest hug that I possibly can because I love these brothers. You know, when I meet someone, I give them a big hug because I know that we were meant to meet. This didn't happen by chance. This is not an accident. Everything happens for a purpose. So if I'm meeting you, I'm going to give you this love so that when you walk away, you're like, damn, that felt really good. And I feel different right now. So I'm trying to pass that energy on. Um, I think it's so important for us to, 
to make love a priority in how we operate and move in community nowadays. It's something that we don't talk about that often. You know, we talk about love of money, love of sex, love of all this other shit, but we don't just talk about love and being unconditionally in a place of love with an open heart to your fellow man, your fellow woman, because this is what we need. This is what's going to bridge these gaps. You know, this is what's going to make those uncomfortable conversations manageable by actually showing love to each other in a real way. That's a fact, man. I love that. Honesty, spreading love, word is bond. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's how I'm going to think about that now. You know, so the two things that stand out for me, one, the spreading love, um, just really thinking of men and especially men of color that that spreading love is uh was like a form of weakness at least for me growing up you know that's how i was viewed in the community and um it really led to everyone being shielded right had their armor on and uh everyone is going through these difficult times just being a young brown man in america or just being a human being right there's there's so much difficulty in uh this human experience and if we're scared to spread that love, share that love, show that love, um, that, that's really the antidote to help get through the difficulties. So I can definitely attest to, you could just hear it in the tone of your voice. You are a man committed to spreading love and uh, you definitely put a smile on my face every time we talk and every time I think about you, you know, um, and the conversations that we've had. So I can, I, I definitely appreciate a man like you upholding that, um, that core value. And then uh, word is bond. It's just like, yo, that was something that we said growing up too. And uh, it's funny how these key life lessons are encoded in our culture, you know, in hip hop culture and, you know, just uh, in black culture in general. And I never thought of it that way till I got older and then just realized how much that um, being truthful, speaking my truth uh, and just being an authentic man was key to creating the reality that I wanted to create and to live in the life that I wanted to live. That authenticity is a, is a key point in yeah. creating that reality. It's such a major part. And the tricky thing to authenticity is that society will try to tell you what authenticity is and try to give you their version of authenticity, right? And their version of what being a man is. And that's what brings us into those spaces of toxic masculinity, right? Because I used to really resist that term. Um, but I realized that, you know, the toxic masculinity is just a man that doesn't know what it means to be a real man. And he's being led by these societal guidelines, you know what I mean? And that's what's mm -hmm. getting him twisted because there's nothing that Babylon got that's not toxic, you know? So um, <laughs> so it's not just toxic, toxic masculinity, you know, there's toxic femininity out there, there's toxic sex, there's toxic food, you know, this is just the nature of the beast, you know? So once we can shift our perspective from all of this external fuckery and start going internal, you know, this is where we're going to start finding this real joy. This is where we're going to start finding that integrity. So we're going to find the love because it starts here. But you see, society's been telling us for so damn long that you got to find love out here in mm -hmm. him, in her, in that. Right. But that's the bull. The love is in here when we can find it in here. 
start feeling it in here, feeling good in here from ourselves, from Phil alone. When Phil makes Phil feel good, then nothing else matters. Then all that stuff is bonus. That's the icing on the cake. The fact that your wife loves you, that's bonus. Mm. It's not a given. It's not an expectation, bro. This shit is a hard lesson I had to learn. You know what I'm saying? Just because this woman is with me doesn't mean that she must love me. Do I love myself? Am I expecting her to show me love every day or am I going to love myself every day? Because what happens on that day that she decides that she don't want to show me love? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be just screwed? I'm going to be walking around mad at the world, ready to punch someone in their face because someone else didn't tell me they love me. I need to love me. I need to love me first and fully. Then all that other stuff is extra. Cause then if she decides tomorrow, she don't love me. Sorry, baby. I still love you, but I love me too. <laughs> and yes. that's, that's that to me. That's, that's the, that's the deal. That's what, that's where we're going. That's where I'm trying to get to. I love that, man. Yeah. That, that kind of transitions beautifully into men's work. Cause at least in my journey of being in men's work, it's really taught me to focus or go inward right? It's taught me to not to love and validate myself, right? And it, it was a mirror that I looked into and just realized how much I was searching for validation from other people. And I never fully get it because no one knows how to love me like I love me. And uh, I can teach other people, but if I don't know how to love me, how am I going to teach someone else how, how I like to be loved, you know? So when it comes to men work, <clears throat> men's work, how did you find it? And How'd you get into it? Like, how how did it become a part of your life? Um, uh, you know, uh, I I had a craving for men's work um, after um, I had an incredible um, ceremony with uh, grandmother plant medicine, where I was in a really vulnerable place, and I had two men take care of me incredibly well, and you know, had my shirt off and fanning me, giving me water and massaging me just to bring me back to reality. And I was just wondering why, if anybody walked by, would they think it would be weird to see how we were with each other when actually this is the best I've felt and the most compassion I've felt from other men that's actually strengthening me right now. And it made me wonder, why is this not something we do more often with each other? And that's what's opened my eyes to even wanting to do something that I would later find out is called men's work. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first introduction to this was actually through every man. And um, I had uh, a good brother of mine named Eduardo invited me uh, to a men's circle that every man was hosting at, um, at 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 a place that we used to go to. And I found it like, this is really interesting. Okay. This is different. And I, you know, we did these different exercises and I was like, whoa, okay. I've never been tested like this before. And it it opened me up to, to, to really start seeing how no matter where you come from, a lot of us men are dealing with the same thing and are having the same insecurities or may have the same goals and aspirations. But because of the context or the situation or the way that we meet or the way that we interact, those discussions never happen. Those connections never get made. 
And so to be put in a circle surrounded by men and have men tell you what they see in you, right? And these are men that some of them that you just had a conversation with prior before, but now they're giving you back this powerful reflection that it was, it was like almost life-changing for me. It made me feel like this is awesome. And there was this amazing feeling of love and compassion coming from all of these men, right? That you don't get. Usually it's a yo bro, you know, or yes, I, or dap or whatever, but there's not this focused attention on you from eight other men. It was, it was amazing. And that made me really want to do more of this. How do I get more of this? Where is this at? You know, and, and how can I be involved more? And it, it, that's what just, it just set me off. That's an incredible, incredible introduction to it. I had a similar one, you know, just got invited to a men's team and uh similar thing. Once I had that mirror of, you know, however many other men all focused on me, um, it really brought me back to like the family life, right? There's uh there's a mother's love and a father's love, right? And obviously there's all, all shades under both of those umbrellas, but um, to make a generalization, it's like mom is going to shower me, shower me with love no matter what, right? She's just going to make me feel special and, all that. I'm like, I'm her baby, you know, and dad is going to show me love in, in a more rigorous way, but he's also going to call me forward when he sees me not living up to my word, not being honest. Right. So there's something about the warmth of that affection that I can get from my father. That's balanced with the the sharpness of holding me uh, accountable to my greatness and to my potential. And that when both of those can exist together, it's just the warmth of that hug feels that much warmer, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I think for me, you know, um, I didn't grow up with my birth father um, and I had a stepfather and and I didn't connect with my stepfather until I was a lot older. And when I and when our connection started to get really strong, I lost him, you know, so. You know, I think, I mean, there's definitely been a part of me that has been looking for strong connection with men for a time because I, I was missing that, you know, when I would go places and people would talk about stories with their dad and stories with their grandfather and all, I have none of those stories to share. I have no stories of with a, with a grandfather. I have two stories tops with my dad, you know, before I was six years old, you know, like there isn't much there. You know, so for me, it's been um, a journey in life to create the things that I did not have, you know, um, and to put certain things in place, you know, and, and also to be that for others, you know. So yeah. if there are other men that didn't have what I had also, well, let me let me be that for you. You know, let, let me give you that fatherly hug that you're waiting for, you know, that you didn't get because I didn't get it either but I know what it feels like to give it to, because I've been giving it to my sons for the last, you know, 20 years. So I can give it to you, you know? Um, and I think to me that that's what the, uh, an important thing is really realizing why we're doing shit, you know, and, and getting those connections, you know? When I dropped into one of my first retreats, I had just lost my, my, my wife's uncle and he was like a father figure to me. So, Right when that happened, I was able to get comforted by 50 men at this retreat. Mm. You know, that just transformed my energy, you know, and 
there is nothing like this, you know, and for any men that are listening to this, there's nothing like that. When you can experience a connection of being, whether it's a group of six or 60, or just a group of men where the, the, the intention is pure and the energy is real and the compassion starts to flow, there is no better energy than that, man. Like you walk out of there feeling like, mm, like I am charged, I'm ready, like bring it on. Like you, there is an incredible invigoration that happens in those circumstances, you know? And I didn't realize how much that was missing until I was in those spaces. I can absolutely relate to that. It's like, yo, I didn't even know I needed this until, until I got it. And then I was like, how, how did I make it this far in life without it? Um, I want to, I want to take a couple steps back because you're talking about really just growing up with this disconnect from uh, the paternal lineage, you know, father and grandfather and having a short relationship with your stepfather. And uh, now you're a man with uh, two kids, three, three, three kids, uh, one granddaughter and one granddaughter. You're in a beautiful relationship with your wife uh, for quite a while. How many years you guys been together? Uh, 21. 21. So you're doing something right. (laughs) So I guess, you know, I guess to put it in question form, um, what's helped you navigate that space, especially when there wasn't this blueprint that was given to you? Ah, yeah. Um, A necessity to make shit happen. I needed it to work. Um, You know, I realized the other day, too, that, you know, as much as when men's work started, when I met every man, I realized that I had this whole pre-period where even pre-plant medicine, where I lived with seven, you know, seven young Rosses, where we were all just sighting up Rastafari for the first time. And we had our little compound in my apartment, living together, all men, cooking with each other, waking up together, doing laundry, doing rituals, exercising. And so I had this pre-men's work thing going on from even then. And, but I know that all of this thread that would led up to the men's work for me was like, if I get into something, I need to make it happen. It's got to work. Like I'm not in this just to play around, you know, um, my wife and I, um, I've known my wife since middle school. Um, and you know, we didn't date in middle school or high school, but, um, when I saw her, I've, I've had a crush on her since middle school. When I saw her as an adult in that juice bar and she's all locked up with a long skirt on and looking all fly with some garments on and I got my, my turban on, I was like, what? I'm not messing up this opportunity. I don't care what happens. And when we got together, you know, she had two children and I was like, I swear I would never be a stepfather. But I was like, well, the universe is putting me in this position for a reason. And, you know, they were so young that I've been I've been their father, you know, since they've been that age, you know, you know, two and almost one. And, you know, and then when we had our own child, it you know, together, it just made sense. And. I never loved anything more than I've loved my children. And, you know, even though Akim and Amina and Amari, those are my three children, but even though Akim and Amina were not my blood children, I loved them from I saw them. And, 
the 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 connection that we had as a unit was so important to me that there was no way that I could make this fall away by what I think I don't know. And I think that once I was in it, I started realizing like, damn, Roots, you were really putting a lot of pressure on yourself saying, well, you know, you have no dad. You will know what you're going to do, man. It's there's there's an instinctual thing that happens in here, man, you know, which is what makes this human body, this mechanism that we operate in so amazing that, you know, there's a and there's an innate maternal thing. There's an, an innate paternal thing that switches on that. I knew that I was going to protect these kids no matter what for the rest of my life, you know, mm -hmm. and I, another thing that made it really beautiful for me was, um, you know, their father's family, they took me in and embraced me like that, like I was their son. And so, you know, that also gave me a whole other understanding of what love can be like and showed me that there was no difference here. So that freed me up from a different a weight, you know, that made me think like, oh, you know, I got to impress these people too, or I might not like that was gone. So with that out of the way, all was left with these two amazing children looking at me. So how am I not going to love them and not going to show up for them? You know, and I'll tell you this thing, when my son was born and it was a home birth, I think that any man that sees his child being born, you, there's got to be something really going on with you to walk away from that child. Because when, when my son dropped in my hands, I looked at that baby and I said, there is no way you will ever have to want for anything and I will never leave you. There is no way you would leave your child once you see this, this process come to its fulfillment or partial fulfillment, right? Like we, we created this child together and now here it is. Holy shit, this is real. You know, that's how impactful it was for me in that moment. So I felt like I'm going to be the best father I can possibly be for you. And it doesn't matter what book I haven't read. I'm still going to be the best father for you. And, and, and if I make a mistake, I'll make it, but I'll explain it, but I'll fix it. And I still am going to show up for you. I don't care how many mistakes I make. I'm always going to show up for you. And I, that's something that I've put into them and instilled in my kids, man, because like I said, anything I didn't have, I wanted them to have it. So I played sports. Parents didn't always come to the games. Every game my kids had, I was there. You know, um, my daughter played band. Um, every play, every time she was playing, I was there. If she won an award, I was there. If she was playing with her band, I was there, you know, showing that support, everything I missed out on, I wanted to make sure that they did not miss out on those things, you know, and they grew up with two parents completely throughout there. They don't know what it's like to not have a parent there. So these are things that were very important for me to make happen. And I think what's made my relationship with my wife really important and last long as it has is the fact that I think that we, the fact that we've both been doing plant medicine for 13 out of these 21 years, and mm. that's opened us up in a different way to see each other in different ways. And, you know, take away some of the veil of this false reality for us to see each other in a different aspect, you know, and know what's really important and what matters, you know? And, and so like, we don't really, we don't have a lot of little small bickering stuff that, you know, we might've used to, you know, not like it doesn't happen, but it's a lot more few and far in between.
you know. Of course. Man, that was beautiful. There's so much in there. Um, you know, the thing that stood out for me, it actually triggered this memory that I had of uh, one of my elders. You know, I was talking to one time, you know, at that point, I think my son was probably like one, uh, one and a half, something like that. And uh, my my wife was pregnant and, you know, so I was stressing, I, w- I was bugging out about another baby coming and just like, you know, all up just in my head. And he was like, listen, Miho, you are the uh, good father is a present father. So you're there. And the fact that you're worried just shows you care. You're there. All you got to do is make sure you're there and the rest will figure it out, you know, which triggers um, what you were saying about that, those paternal instincts. You know, we talk about intuition as, um, you know, this feminine uh, characteristic, right? And obviously we all carry masculine and feminine in us and uh, us as fathers, you know, we, we have these instincts too. And so long as we can get out of our own way, we can tap into them and we can listen to them. Um, and uh, so I, both of my kids were home births as well. And uh, so my son, first child, when he was born, I was there too. And I got to ke- catch him and they, they uh, call it catching the light, you know, and it was just like that. I was like, wow, looking into the light. And uh, it was, it was like, I was thinking of it, like getting a com- computer upgrade. It was like, a, immediately it was like, I, I was upgrading and something was happen, happening within, in my DNA and everything as whatever hormones are being released, just looking at this beautiful child that was, uh, I was, you know, responsible for. And similar thing, it was just like, I'm not going anywhere, no matter what, I'm going to be here. And uh, I think in this conversation, what I'm remembering, and I'm sure it'd be helpful for fathers out there too, is just going back to that initial moment where there's no financial worries. There's no what what's next week, next year, 10 years going to look like worries. You're just completely present to the beauty and the gift that is our children and our family. And, uh, you know, the more I can tap back into that space and remember that and um, on a somatic level, uh, the more I'll be able to be an actual provider and nurturer for my family. Yeah, absolutely. I think that showing up is such a big part of everything we do in life. Everything. We just need to show up. We, we, we do put so much pressure on ourselves trying to figure out everything. And that's, I think that's definitely a man thing. You know, we're very analytical. We want to plan it out. We want to have it figured out. Now, how is this going to add up and everything? Sometimes we need to just stop that, you know, and just know that I'm just going to show up. And as long as I show up, this shit's going to work. You know, you said an important word. You said, I'm looking at this being and knowing I'm responsible it's an important word right there, right? You didn't say <clears throat> how much you loved him, right? Or how much, you know, you want to be the best father. You said, I'm responsible <clears throat> for this being. And that's, that's what it is. We are responsible. You know, that's why I say you, you can't walk away from this, right? <laughs> like, you can't do that. There's no walking away. Like, I am responsible, for this. And there doesn't need to be paperwork to make me know that I'm responsible for this. Because like I said, once that's dropped in your hands like that, it's like, ugh, it's the most weight and the lightest weight and the best weight ever. Like it's everything because, oh, this is a heavy weight. Cause I know I'm responsible for you, but, oh, this is a beautiful weight. Cause I'm responsible for you. I am. So I'm going to just show up. And if I show up, 
shit will happen. It'll just, things will, you know, <clears throat> like I had my last child, we put him through private school. <clears throat> we were stressing like mad. How are we going to afford this, right? The school system out over here sucks. We need to get our, um, our last kid, you know, get him into the, a good school for finish out high school. How are we going to figure this out? There's no way we can afford it. Well, I mean, he's in college now. We figured it out. Wow. Because yeah. we because we decided we were going to do this. Right. So we just showed up as the parents that we know we needed to be. And it happened. You know, money that you think you don't have, sometimes you do have. You're just mm-hmm. using it in other ways. Right. It's being spent in other ways. Sometimes you just need to show up. I love that, man. Yeah, it's such a simple, actionable item, the commitment to showing up, you know, and I know for me, it's something I'm really good at now. It is something that I was not good at before. You know, it's taken time. And I, you know, for me, it has to do with courage and uh, and really grit, you know, been, been, being able to develop both of those things in myself has helped me show up no matter what, or just know, like, if I show up, everything else will get figured out. Um, what's your relationship to showing up been throughout your life? Is it something you've always been good at? Is it something you've practiced? What's helped no. you become better at it? No, um, I think being in this 21-year relationship has helped me be better at it. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I've been an artist, you know, I've done music most of my life. And, you know, when I was in my 20s, showing up i'd show up on time is another thing you know like i'll get there i'll get there you know i'm on my way but you know there was no necessary urgency you know you know you're leaving your house at 10 o'clock at night you're not coming home at 10 o'clock you know you're ready to go out so there were all these things that you know i was in the flow of that type of life um I guess I'm grateful because I had the opportunity to do that, right? I had an opportunity mm-hmm. where I could just go with the flow. I was able to experience a lot, um, do a lot, perform in every damn club in Manhattan, New York. Like I've met a lot of people, I've done a lot of good things. So when I met, you know, my queen and we were having a family, I realized that this is what's important to me. Just like making music was important meeting x y and z was important this is important to me you know so having someone that was on point like she is that was a good reflection for me because you know this is parenthood right this isn't daddyhood so there is two of us here and what really helps is having a really good reflection and you know i i was able to have someone that was on her game and knew what she wanted and how she wanted to mother. And, you know, that made me want to show up for her because she knew what she wanted. You know, if we were both on some, uh, you know, who knows who would be showing up, you know? So sometimes you need somebody to be like, nah, this is what's going on. And you're like, oh shit, yeah, this is what's going on. You know, and that can trigger that in you to be like, it's either going to trigger you to do one thing, right? Stand up or or bolt, right? So if you're the sucker, you're going to bolt, you know? But if you're realizing that, nah, I'm responsible for this, then I'm going to stay and I'm going to show up and I'm going to do what I need to do to make this work, you know? So, you know, it does it, whether it means, all right, I used to do martial arts seven days a week. Maybe it's time to 
cut back on martial arts. You know, maybe I need, oh, I was, I was coming home at 11 o'clock every night or going out at 11 o'clock. Maybe it's time to come home at 930 so I can help put the kids down because I see how my lady looks. You know, yeah. it's recognizing these things that you have to shift. You know, like life is not going to be about you all the time. It is still about you. And that's what's the funny thing about this is because a lot of men may feel like, well, I'm giving up myself. I'm giving up a part of myself. No, actually, you're growing into a new part of yourself. You know, you can't be that little boy every day. You can't be that adolescent forever. You can't be that 20 year old forever. And if you think that that's the way it's supposed to be, then something is really wrong with you. And you need to sit down with an elder and let them school you because you need to be willing to grow into that new part of yourself. You know, and so that is what enabled me to say, yeah, I need to show up because I can't be Roots from 25 because now I'm 35. So Roots at 35 does different shit differently. I can't be doing the 25 year old stuff no more. And if I and because I'm not hanging out with 25 year olds, you know, I'm hanging out with 35 year olds like my age. I'm not trying to act or do something un, uh, that's outside of me. So I need to I need to fall in line and grow. You know, don't fight it. A lot of us fight it. I don't want to. I don't want it. No, you need to let go and grow into this other part of you. You're not losing something. You're gaining something. That's a fact, man. Yeah, that scarcity mindset is real and it crosses many, many boundaries and borders, you know, and this uh, this idea of getting older or taking on more or different responsibilities is like a immediate fear response because it's that scarcity mindset of, Oh, well, if I do that, that means I can't do ABC, but it's like, well, what doors does it open for you? And um, in your share, what really stood out to me was defining what's important, right? So in, we're always, we're always showing up for something, right? We're always showing up for something, whether we think every decision is an opportunity to show up for something and it's, uh, and it's our choice. But if we are conscious about defining what is important to us as a man at this stage in life, whether we're 10 years old or 15 years old or 21 years old or 35 years old, doesn't matter. If we can define what's important, then we can show up for it in a, with more ease. So for me, I always call it my why. If I can touch back into what my why is, you know, at this point, my why is uh, it's for the sake of raising two beautiful human beings into uh, beautiful conscious adults and to be of service to as many people as it possibly can help create beautiful families, help uh, support men in uh, being a light for this world. When I can tap back into that, I can make it through any what, right? I can, I can show up for the thing that I really don't want to fucking do. I can uh, make that phone call. I can go to that meeting. I can make a fool out of myself all because I can go back to that why, because that's what's important to me. Tap into that why. And it's like, that's the, that's the fountain of youth for me. Um, and I forget about it sometimes, right? And that's usually when I'm making it about myself, when I want to be comfortable and I want to be like that boy. Um, but if I can tap back into my why, I find that I can make it through any what. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I, and I think a key thing that I've been learning to, um, as, as I keep getting older is that, you know, the growing doesn't stop, you know? Um, I think some of us, you know, think that, oh, we just gotta get to a certain place and then we're good, you know? Um, like as a parent, you know, maybe, you know, people used to joke around and be like, oh yeah, well, 
You're good till, you know, when they, after they're 18, you're good, boy, you know, because then they out the house. Like, no, nah, actually, no. Um, this is forever. <laughs> like, I don't. Life sentence. Like, there, right. Like, there is no you stop being a parent day. Like, like, that's just like, it, that's called you stop being a human day. That's the day that I die. You know what I mean? Like, because this always, and so that means there's always more to learn. Right. Because your children are growing. So there's different relationships that are happening, you know, so there's always growth that's happening. That's like the exciting thing about this thing called life. Right. There's always new shit that you're going to have to learn. You're going to have to adapt like you're never the same person. You're always adapting. Things are changing. Like, you know, the parent you were for your first child is not the parent you are now that you've got two. You've learned so much. You know, you're this whole new guy now. You know, and when they're 12, you're going to be a whole new guy then, too. And you're going to start learning new stuff then because they're going to be at 12. And so there's going to be new challenges, you know. So there's going through a, a son, a daughter and now a son. You know, there's been new challenges for everybody, you know, at different stages. So I'm, I'm always learning and growing, you know, and so there's always something more for me to figure out. I don't ever have it all figured out. You know, we did great getting here. Let's see how we get the next 10 years. Right. What are what are we going to learn now? What's the new thing that we're going to pick up on now? What new technique are we going to use? How are we going to talk to them in this way? Because now they're older, so we can talk to them differently. Right. So we can have different conversations. You know, we can introduce them to new things that we didn't that we waited, that we didn't introduce them at 15. So there it's always a beautiful new lesson to be learned on this journey, as long as we keep ourselves open to um, to receive it. I love that. The, keeping the context of curiosity and humility, man, you know, with those two things, the growing never stops, you know, every opportunity to learn from someone. Um, so speaking of learning and humility, uh, you brought up plant medicine before. It is one of the things you attributed to the success of your relationship, being able to be together for 21 years and grow together. So plant medicine is uh it's a hot topic. You know, it's like you, you hear about it everywhere. It's like in, it's like mainstream now, you know, which I think is a beautiful thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I guess for you, how has it shifted and kind of reformed you as a person? And then I want to talk about men of color and people of color in plant medicine spaces. So why don't you go ahead and answer the first <coughs> and we'll, then we'll transition into that. Um, it's reformed me in a way to make me realize that there is way more than what your two eyes see, um, that life is much bigger than what we think it is. Um, and people say things like that, right? People, you know, you hear these sayings, but when you can do something and you actually experience that, it's a whole different ball game. And for me, um, plant medicine was that. It was, it was like, wow, I thought I knew something and actually I really know this much, you know? And there's never been a more clear sight of myself than when I've been in those ceremonies. I, I see myself in a way that the regular world doesn't really give you the opportunity to see yourself that way. And 
So there can be times when you beat up on yourself and then you see how much beauty there is. You know, there's time when you're so ego filled and you think you know it all. And then you sit down and then it's like, oh, I really know nothing. And I need to get rid of this ego right now. So there's there's always a new lesson to be learned. And 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 that's what that's what makes me say what I just said before, that this is always growing and I'm growing into is the only reason why I'm saying shit like that is because I've been experiencing these things for the last 13 years by, with plant medicines, because it keeps showing me like, Roots, you think you got this? Shut up. You don't have it all figured out. <laughs> Sit down and listen for a couple of hours. Let me show you something, you know? And then it's like, okay, you got it. Okay, yes. You know, and it's also giving me the opportunity to know to be patient with myself because, you know, I was explaining this to a brother the other day, like I've been doing this with my life for the last 13 years. Right. But I'm, you know, I'm what, 49 now. Sometimes I don't even remember 48, 49. And I'm like, but so there's, there's 30 plus years of my life that I wasn't doing this. And I was under the influence of society. So there's a lot of unlearning to do. There's a lot of patience that we need to have with ourselves because we're living in this place where you take a picture and you see it right away. Well, you know, I'm old enough to remember the time when you actually had to wait for a picture to be developed. All right. And you used to go and drop off a roll of film, right? Shit took time. So we have to remember that things take time. We take time. There's so much baggage that we have with us. We don't think that we can just lose all that right away. You know, so it, it, it's been, um, an enabler for real change for me, um, mm. for me to, to make real, real change and to, to fight a lot of personal demons that I've had in myself, you know, um, or just bad traits, you know, I don't want to make it dramatic like demons, but it's just bad shit that wasn't serving me, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I absolutely hear that. My, uh, uh, especially with the change por- portion of it, um, I think such an important part of plant medicine is the um, integration, right? The the incorporating what you learn, you know, and you kind of hear, you hear a lot of stories like people saying, oh, I've been to like, I've been to like 20 grandmother ceremonies, been to this, this and that kind of just like getting their count up. Um, but obviously you being in the space for 13 years, you know a whole lot about integration. So um, curious, uh, how do you integrate what you learned and actually apply it to the ceremony that really matters, which is our life? Right, right. You know, the ceremony is after the ceremony. And absolutely, for me, integrating is, you know, really trying to get yourself into some kind of meditation practice, right? And, you know, um, I was talking to, um, you know, my partner in, in my group, you know, we held space in a ceremony this weekend. He was sharing how he has a lot of stuff documented. And I was like, damn, you know, I wasn't writing down. I'm like, there's so many things I should have written down. I've written stuff down here or there, but I was never one to always write it down. But I would try to keep it in my head. And, you know, for me, it was always, well, I know. uh, I, I always said that after I started sitting in ceremony, I got this super conscience that it was like, now you know, right? So there is no more bliss. I can't go back to some bliss place. So when old habits would pop up, that superconscious just shows up like, now, come on, Roots. You know that's some bullshit. You know what you're about to do. 
Now, if you allow yourself to go here, you know what's going to happen then, right? And you know where that takes you. So it's like, are you willing to go there? Because if you are, fine. But you know what you, you know, you can avoid it, right? So that super conscience shows up. And that's been something that has really been a key that helped me integrate a lot of the stuff that I was learning, you know, but being patient with myself also um, and knowing that, all right, everything isn't going to change right away, but you know, you need to let this go, you know? And for me, I had to realize that it took time um, because when I found things that didn't serve me anymore, I wanted them to go. I just wanted to get rid of them. And I had to realize that it's not about letting, getting rid of them. It's really about sitting in it, seeing where it's coming from, accepting it. And then once you've made a com- like some kind of conversation with this pain, with this trauma, with this guilt, with this criticism, it'll just do something else, you know? But I don't need to say, hey, you gotta go, I'm getting rid of, uh, you know, I know I need to, you need to face it because all that you got to go, ah, that's like a, that's a reaction for you to not face it. I don't want to deal with it. You know, so I just want it to go, but yeah. to integrate shit, you've got to deal with it. You got to deal with that trauma. You got to have that uncomfortable conversation. You've got to sit in that guilt for a minute and really feel it and know that, yeah, this doesn't feel good. And I don't want this anymore. You know, this is not serving me. It really doesn't. But you did at one time. And, and that's mm-hmm. the key to this thing. All of these habits, all of these things, they stem from something. So that's why I said it's not about chasing it away. It's about thanking it for giving me all you did for all those years when I thought I needed you. I don't need you anymore. You know, no longer do you serve. Hey, grumpy mind, grumpy talk in my head. Hey, when you when I felt super insecure. You you came and you you made me feel good by you giving me all these things in my head. But now I'm in a great relationship with a secure woman that I love very much. I, I feel really secure. I don't need you anymore. Thank you. But you can now go do something else. You know, really recognizing those things have, have been a real key integration for me. And in the last couple of months this year, really what's and I, and I, and I advocate this to everyone is pick up a meditation practice. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the idea of of really reframing our traumas and past stories from being an enemy to being a teacher. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the floor. Let me learn from you, whatever it is you're trying to teach me, learn it. Thank you. You can now see your way out the door. And it sounds really easy when you say it, Phil, but it's hard, right? Because Mm -hmm. those feelings are uncomfortable. Like, you know, it it could be traumatic. It could be something that really hurts you and you don't want to relive it, right? You don't want to feel that again. But sometimes in order for us to let something go, it's just to sit in it and feel it because we've been avoiding it for so long, you know? And once we do sit in it for a minute, then we're like, oh, I'm actually strong enough now to deal with this. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not the seven-year-old that this shit happened to. Like, I'm the 37-year-old, you know, and I'm I'm strong enough to handle this now, you know. But because we're we're avoiding it for so long or so much, we don't even give ourselves the opportunity. And sometimes we're a lot stronger than we think we are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt uh, plant medicine and men's work both have in our incredible avenues for uh, self-healing and enabling 
ourselves to become, you know, the most powerful, most beautiful, most pure versions of ourselves so we can then be that light in the world. Um, they've definitely been that for me. So I know we talked about this on the first time we had a phone call, but uh, in both of these spaces, which are huge cornerstones uh, in my life, I do not see many men of color. Now, that's not to say that uh, Black brothers and all Brown brothers are not in these spaces, but there's just way less, you know, and uh, at least how I see it, it's like we could all utilize these uh, these tools to heal. So curious for you, has that been has that been your experience as well, as far as just not as many men of color in these spaces? And what do you think we can do to get more brothers in these spaces? Absolutely, that's been the same experience. Um, and it's it something that, you know, for a, month, for, for a while it bothered me, you know? Um, you know, sometimes it just makes you wonder, like, these people don't know no black people? Like, am I the only one here? Um, but then I realized too that, you know, um, sometimes some people just can't make it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, a lot of people also think that, you know, for a lot of different ceremonies, it, you had to travel into another country and, it, you know, it was thousands of dollars. And, you know, um, this is a big issue because it becomes a financial enabler thing, right? If if these people are in the financial bracket to be able to go away for two weeks or go away for a dieta for 14 days and go to Peru or go to Brazil or Costa Rica um, and, and drop seven grand, 10 grand, then they're going to have the experience. And then they're going to come back and talk about how amazing it is. Right. But to the person that doesn't have sick days, you know, is struggling to get overtime that's something that they feel will never happen for them. And, and, and to me, I feel like if, if you are a white person in these spaces, then you need to recognize that as well. Because if your heart is being open the way my heart is being open, then you see this and you recognize that this is something that needs to change. Like, you know, like there doesn't even need to be, if there's no black people in the room, you should recognize this. Like you should look around the room and be like, damn, this is an amazing experience I'm having. And how much money did I just spend to get here? I know a lot of people can't afford this. And there's a lot of white people that can't afford it, you know, but but there's way more white people that can't afford it than black people or people of color. And this is something that does need to shift, because when you recognize that there are these people traveling to places (laughs) where the people that are performing the rituals and ceremonies are people of color, but no people of color are in those ceremonies. That is a problem, right? And so we need to shift that because here in the West, a lot of our people are thinking that those are not our practices, right? So when you start talking to them about plant medicine and these different rituals, they may say, oh, well, that's some white people shit. Like, no, actually, this is your shit. This is some indigenous shit. This has just been demonized in our communities for so long that we don't want to, no one is trying to open our minds up to that thought. Now, there's someone in this community that's being told, that's being told, hey, man, listen, this is mind expanding. You know, this can, you know, show you all these different things. But now over in this hood, you're being told this is a drug. 
this is messed up. This will kill you. This will make you crazy. You know, this is, oh, God don't want you doing that. You know, mm-hmm. you can't be Christian and doing that. You can't be going to church and doing that. Right. So you're getting all these dogmas pushed in on you in your community. This community is not getting the same dogmatic pressure necessarily. So they're getting open to it. So we need to start talking to our people for one and letting them know, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with this. Right. This is not going to make you crazy. And I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about different plant medicines that even if they want to label it as some kind of drug, these have healing qualities and properties to it. Secondly, none of this stuff is addictive. None of this stuff you're going to sit down and say, I'm going to do this just to do it on a Friday. Uh Uh-uh. No, this is not that type of a party. So if you come to this, you're going to recognize it's for healing. You're going to recognize that it can make you grow and that it's not some demonic devil stuff and it's not evil and it actually comes from out of our lineages. So this is something that we can tap back into to really do some deep ancestor healing and really start to reclaim our rituals, reclaim our ancient medicines. You know, all of us have some connection to the different indigenous places on the planet, you know, and it's so whether it's Ibogaine in Africa or ayahuasca in South America and Peru or mushrooms that have been everywhere. So, you know, you think, oh, mushrooms, some white people shit. You don't think Africans were eating mushrooms. You don't think Indians were eating mushrooms with all of these cow cultures that have been developing over centuries and civilizations. Come on, guys, this is our medicine. And it's time for us to reclaim that and to come home to that because there's so much healing that it can do for our communities. So I'm trying to talk to my community so that I can get more people like me in there and and sponsor people in my community so we can get more of them there. And if there are some of these organizations where there are more people um, that are non-people of color, whether it's Caucasians or whatever you are, if you can start sponsoring, offer a sponsorship, to start bringing in these people or at least sponsor the people from the communities that you're going to, you know, get more Latin people into these circles, you know, get more people into these circles because it's, there is no way for us to really get this human thing right. If we're not trying to get it right everywhere, you know, and especially in healing spaces where one of the most traumatized people on the planet are people of color. And to me, it makes no sense if there is a way for us to start giving them healing through their own indigenous practices. What a better healing than is there than reconnecting to your own healing from your own ancestry to clean up the trauma that we've been going through in this place. It's, it, 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 it just works hand in hand. Yes, man. That was really, really beautifully said. I think you hit all the things on the head there and, and, uh, I really like the the essence of coming back home. You know, like you said, we're we're all indigenous to different areas of this earth, and uh, every culture has utilized some sort of plant um, in order to elevate their not only elevate consciousness, but to to heal and to work with. Um, and we're no different, right? And I think there's um, I really loved when you said uh, we so often say that's white people shit. Because I know for sure when it first came into my domain, I was like, nah, bro, that's that's like that's some crazy white people shit. Like, that's not for me. And uh, me luckily, <laughs> luckily, I was I was able to take a risk because that's what it takes, you know, able to take a risk. And uh, when I sat in my first grandmother ceremony, just like opened 
opened my my mind, you know, and the brother that was running it was actually from uh, uh, I think Guyana or something dark skinned dude. And, and that, that was actually what made me say yes. I was like, oh, brother's running it. All right, I'll sit in there. Um, but nonetheless, it, it really opened this path for me and realizing, well, like, yo, this ain't white people shit. This is human shit. This Absolutely. is like this is something that uh, was put here to help us in in this experience, right? In this human experience. Um, so, nonetheless, I'm I'm glad I was able to overcome that, and I know that is a difficult edge for a lot of brothers, a lot of sisters out here. Um, and I think what's really helpful is having men, people like yourself, you know, who look like me, talk about the not only the safety but the importance of plant medicine and really just trauma work in general, you know, the importance of facing ourselves in order to become better human beings. Um, so thank you for being that kind of man. Thank you for being an advocate for the people in that way. And uh, I know you're going to help guide a lot of people towards this path, which is uh, in turn going to help a whole lot of people, man. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I just want people to know too, it's like, you know, you're going to come into these circles or you're going to come into these spaces. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of brothers and sisters don't want to go there because they already have their feelings about how white people are or, you know, the way they've been treated by white people in different times in their lives. And and I'm not trying to negate none of that. Right. Because all of these feelings that we feel are real. What I'm saying is that when you come into these spaces, you are going to get an opportunity to see people for just who that person is. Right. So if Bob is there, you're going to see Bob for Bob, not just for Bob, the white guy. Like you're going to actually see Bob and be like, oh, shit, this guy's a really nice man. And I don't need to think about him as white Bob. I can just think about him as Bob. Right. And it's not to and it's not to negate anything else that goes on. But now I'm getting an opportunity to see this man for himself. And then you guys are probably going to sit down and have a real conversation that you probably never had with each other. And that's what those communities and those spaces offer. It offers an opportunity for real conversations to happen, real communication to happen, because there's a there's a space of compassion that's not allowing anything else in. And. Sometimes we just don't have the control to make it just be about compassion because we've got other agendas. Plant medicine has one agenda, right? Open this heart up and to heal. And that's what it offers us when we can get together. So that's why I feel it's so important for us to start seeing more than one face on the other side of the circle. Mm, beautiful, beautiful, man. Again, really, really well said. Um, Time goes fast. That's crazy. It really so, does. So, man, let's get ready to wrap this up. Um, I'm going to ask you three questions, right? Lightning questions. So the first is, uh, what would you tell a young brother out there that's getting ready to step into the next phase of manhood, whether that's getting married or having kids or, you know, some some stepping forward into manhood? Mm. Lean into your fear. Uh, because the other side of fear is excitement. So lean into that fear, um, because uh, if, you, if you can lean into it hard enough, you'll just get excited and you won't be scared anymore. Um, trust your heart. Yeah, you know, trust it. Sometimes we only want to listen to what our mind is telling us. But I always tell um, any man going into anything, trust your heart. You know, um, we don't listen to that enough. 
So if we can follow our hearts, sometimes it's going to lead us into some beautiful spaces. Um, just think about all the shit your mind has led you into, uh, right? Just imagine where your heart can bring you. Uh, so listen to your heart more. Um, beautiful. Yeah. Um, next one. This is an important one for us. You know, I know I am notoriously bad at it. Uh, what is your favorite activity for fun or self-care? Ooh, favorite activity for fun or self-care. Oh man. Um, well, my favorite activity for fun right now is music, right? And making beats. Um, I'll sit down um, with my machine and I'll lose time for four hours real quick, just, just doing music. It's, it's my happy place and I love to do it. Um, and for self-care, I, I, I think right now it's stretching. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, it's stretching. I stretch every night before I get into bed. Um, you know, and, and I do this a routine because I have like back issues. So I, I try to do that, um, every night, you know, and give myself that, that, that love and consistent care. Um, yeah, I think that that's something that I definitely do for fun and self-care and soak my feet. <laughs> that's my normal. Two good that's ones. My, that's my <laughs> self-care joint for real. I soak my feet. I give myself my own pedicures, man. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of them feet, man. Uh, last lightning question. If you could share one message with the world, what would it be? Love yourself more. Love yourself more. You are, I just told this to someone, right? Like you are a drop in this great ocean, right? You are valuable. Some people don't think they matter, you know, but you matter. Uh, you wouldn't be here if you didn't matter. Just like that leaf on the tree matters. It's here for a purpose. Everything is here for a reason. So love yourself more because you you are valuable. You're important. And this world would not be the same without you. And this is the truth. You are here for a reason. So love yourself and know that you matter just as much as the person that you think is so important. Whoever you think is really important, you're just as important as that person. Whoever you think, man, it would be crazy if that person died tomorrow. You are just as important as that person. Don't think you're not. We are all equally valuable. We all equally matter. So we need to love ourselves more because damn it, man, that shit will change things. So I will tell everybody to love themselves more, man, because I think once we know how important we are, we start treating each other differently. Because if I know I'm so important, then I know that Phil is that important. And I know that Jetty's so important. And I know that my other man is so important. So everybody needs to get treated these ways, right? It's not just, oh, just that guy. Oh, he's really important. So we need to make sure he's good. No, all of us are. Love yourself. Love yourself more. You heard it, people. All right, Roots. Well, last last order of business. Uh, let the listeners know uh, anything you got going on, where they can find you, how they can stay connected with you. Okay, so you can definitely find me on Instagram at Niga73 on IG. Um, and you can check out um, our music at www.wadada, W-A-D-A-D-A, thelovemovement.com. 
Um, that's my group. Um, we have a new album coming out at the beginning of the year. Um, so um, dealing with plant medicine, men's work, and everything that's me, I'm pouring into that music. So be on the lookout for that coming out of the beginning of the year. And um, if you are really interested in sitting in circle with men or doing some plant medicine work, um, there are opportunities to do these things virtually. Um, please check out journeyspace.com. It's an incredible opportunity for you to sit in community, sit in circle in a virtual space um, that is curated beautifully and, and you will be held and guided through an incredible experience. So there are multiple ways for us to do this, guys. So definitely find me on journeyspace.com as a facilitator. Reach out to me on Instagram, Nika73, and definitely check out www.thelovemovement.com for more roots in the musical side. Man, Roots, I just want to thank you again for making the time and space for this conversation. I'm definitely leaving here uh, filled up. My cup is full. So thank you for being the man that you are. And I'm looking forward to our relationship continuing to grow. Absolutely, brother. Looking forward to more great convos and hopefully some in flesh in the soon, um, in the soon time to come. I salute you, my brother. Yes, sir. Much love. Wow, what an incredible conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. If you want to know more about what we got going on over here at the Rising Man Movement, be sure to check out our website, risingman.org. Check out all the offerings we got going on. Guaranteed there is something there for every single man out there. So come join the movement, join the community. Looking forward to meeting you, looking forward to working with you in the future. Stay tuned for more Fam Life episodes coming up here on the Rising Man podcast. Until next time, much love. Stay up. Stay up.